0: What's going on, folks? Contender Series Week 5 breakdowns. Let's get into the damn thing. A little bit of a lucky late-night edition of the show. Took my sweet time getting through the last couple matchups that we have for the card, which is pretty much today, since it is 1.30 a.m. Uh, currently where I'm at, fights will be taking place at 7... Sorry, 8 p.m. Eastern uh tomorrow. So apologies for the late drop, but want to make sure I got through every single one. But uh, usually I find that most of the views and love usually comes on the day of the fight, anyway. So I'm sure anybody who was intending on watching this on Sunday was gonna watch it on Tuesday, regardless. So appreciate everybody coming out and checking out the show. Make sure you guys hit that like and subscribe if you haven't already. And uh, let's just say what up to the people in chat, even on 1 30 a.m. on a Tuesday morning slash wo- Monday night, people still coming out. Shout out to my guy, Jacksonville Zoe. Appreciate you stopping by, my friend. Joshua Frick in the chat as well. Problem kid. Appreciate you stopping by, my friend. All right, let's not waste too much time. Let's get right into it. My guy, Sunnyville, saying what's good from Durham region. Shout out to the Durham region where I went to college. Appreciate you, my friend All right, let's get into the breakdown I don't want to waste too much time Personally, I want to get this over with Smoke a little bit of weed And then just chill out for a bit Before I end up hitting the bed Shout out to my guy Acai-fueled mountaineer as well All right I do want to say this Um, I've only had one bet on this contender series Or this season of the contender series And it was a parlay, I believe in week two or week three that had uh, Clayton Carpenter and uh, Carolina Wojcik. You know, Carpenter obviously making a little bit more of a sweat than it should be, but we end up cashing that partly regardless. But I actually have three plays now on this card because I feel pretty good <clears throat> about most of the lines that I've been getting. I'm just wet the whistle again real quick. <clears throat> See, I got three plays on... Uh on five of these fights or three plays total over five of these fights so let's start off with the first fight of the night let's not waste too much more time we're going to be talking about denise gomez going up against hayan amanda i'm saying hayan dos santos as well but we're going to go with hayan amanda since that's what's listed on Tapology. we got minus 255 on the prvt product denise gomez and plus 215 the return on hayan amanda Fun fight here, you know, pretty much a striker versus grappler matchup that we got. Let's start off on the grappler side, who has, uh, you know, a solid 10 fights worth of experience over her opponent, uh, Hai and Amanda. She, uh, she's on a four fight winning streak right now, all wins coming via finish, uh, three of them in the first round. All three of those via armbar, seven of her 11 victories have actually come by submission. So you pretty much know what you're getting when this fight or when she looks to take fights to the ground. The only recognizable name that at least be to you guys is Isabella de Padua. And this one uh, was the fight before Isabella got that. You know, super short notice call up to the UFC against Ariane Lipsky. Uh, De Padua, you know, did a good job in terms of keeping that fight on the feet and just absolutely butchered Amanda up against the cage with some beautiful elbows to end off that first round. And I don't know if uh, high end, you know, broke her jaw or something or why, you know, the fight would stop. She seemed to be completely okay, but it seemed to be some sort of issue with her mouth. I don't speak Portuguese. I'm not sure why they stopped the fight, but they stopped the fight after the first round. She took about a whole year off to come back. So maybe it was some sort of jaw or mouth type injury that kept her out of the cage, but she did follow that up with a loss to Ednan Olivera, who's a chick who's only eight, seven, and one. She lost that five via decision. I actually want to go back to her Lindsay Garbad fights, <clears throat> specifically her one, two, three- a fourth ever professional fight. That was June of 2018. And for those not familiar with Lindsay Garbutt, you know, she is a Canadian fighter. She actually trains out of the Durham region, shout out to the Durham region. Uh, But she used to be on the Canadian national women's boxing team, if I'm not mistaken. So she was pretty much a, or a striker coming into the MMA world, but she was pretty much already up there in age. Like right now she's 39. So when she actually fought Amanda, the first time she was, 35 she was already up there in age um but garbat beat her that night you know hometown decision very close fight she was able to get takedowns but she kept finding herself in submissions but managed to continue to get out of those submissions but they did end up rematching about uh five months later and she ended up catching garbat in an arm bar in that first round very slick transition from her in terms of jumping on the back of garbat and then transitioning to that arm bar to get a win there so I'm not rating that win over Garbat too highly considering the background that Garbat comes from. And she's never really, you know, panned out to be the fighter that a lot of people expect her to be when she first went into the, you know, came from boxing to MMA. Since the second Garbat fight, though, we're we've been seeing what a seven and three run for a Ama- uh, high-end Amanda, but I really don't think she would fare that well inside the UFC. You know, we're gonna be talking about it's it's pretty much, you know, in the strawweight division. Both women look great on the on the scales this morning, but I really don't think you know outside of uh, maybe the bottom tier of that strawweight division, I'd be surprised if Amanda is able to get much, um, you know, submissions or jujitsu off against some of these women, especially with her lackluster takedowns as well. Right, this 4 winning streak that she's on is against women that are a combined zero six. None of them have wins. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm actually very much intrigued by the chick that she actually last lost to, Alexei Tenera. You know, this chick was 7-1. and one. Uh, She's beaten in Amanda. Uh, she also fought another recognizable name, Gian uh, Huas, who actually was a, an opponent of um, Diane Gomez, which we're going to be talking about very shortly. But, yeah, uh, I'm surprised this chick's not getting the call up to... Uh, to the contender series, although she was scheduled to fight in July in Rio de Janeiro uh, for LFA, so maybe that was kind of her, you know, her showcase for the UFC, fighting on a stage like that, but that fight ended up not happening. Not entirely sure why, but uh I'm excited to see Tainera eventually fight in the UFC, or at least in the contender series. But in regards to Amanda, I- I'm not that high on her. Um, You know, her striking is developing compared to what we saw from earlier in her career, but I still have a lot of you know skepticism in regards to what she brings to the table. And I completely understand why she's a big, big underdog in this spot. Because Denise Gomez, man, she she scraps, you know, her only professional loss comes to Giselle mohea who a lot of people will recognize from being on other people's records as well. You know, that was her first ever professional MMA fight. And it was the 10th for Giselle at that time. And Giselle, similar to Lindsay Garbad, was a fighter that started MMA very later in her career. So when she beat Um, Amanda, she was 36 years old. I mean, so she had that old woman strength, she had that experience. Amanda was only 17 or sorry, not Amanda. Sorry, I'm completely messing it up. Denise Gomez, Denise Gomez was only 17, right? She was very young when she took that fight. Obviously, she ended up losing it. Funnily enough. Like look at look at the names that are on Giselle Mohea's record. <clears throat> she's actually on a three-five winning streak, which is hilarious. But she's lost to Carol Hosa, Diana Silva. You guys know her from uh, Bellator and nearly beating Juliana Lima. Uh, sorry, Julian, uh, Juliana Lima. What am I talking about? Fucking Julia Bud. She's Louise. Um, But yeah, look, uh, she's actually beaten Kelhosa. She lost to Talita Bernardo. She's lost to Tyler Santos. She beat Ariane Lipsky. So Giselle Mojia has definitely been around. So having that type of loss in your first ever MMA fight at 17 years old is not a bad look in my eyes at all. She's followed that that up with five straight victories, four of them coming via finish by KO because she's able to just land big power on these opponents and put them out. You know, the, the biggest stage that she's fought on to this date is the Milana Dudieva fight, which was for Invicta back in March. And, you know, she dropped the first round. She was getting a little bit controlled. She had a little bit of struggles in that second round as well. But once she get it, got her knees and punches together, she was able to get Milana Dudieva out of there pretty early in that third round, uh, just putting her punches together and showing showcasing that power. We saw it in the Gian Hua's fight. You know, that, that, that was a close fight as well. Um as both women were landing big shots, but Gomez was really starting to pull away with that fight as it continued on. Loved where I saw from her and then loved where I saw in terms of her finishing ability. Denise Gomez is actually the significant other of Carol Hosa. you know, uh, you know, solid UFC bantamweight who's had some solid victories, obviously coming off a loss to Sarah McMahon in her last fight. But I do think that she has a pretty bright future inside the UFC and having her significant other come into the contender series here, you know, has to give both of them a lot of confidence. And I think that Denise training with her on a day-to-day basis will fuel her in this fight. Uh, like I said, Amanda, it looks for jiu-jitsu she looks for submissions denise gomez has a purple belt in jiu-jitsu and rolling like, with the black belt like carol Hosa on a daily basis you would believe that she, her grappling defense is pretty good and she showcased it in the milana dudieva fight as well so the spot that i'm actually looking to target for this and i've already pulled the trigger on is the under two and a half which i got at, m- at minus 120. Took a 1.2-unit shot there as I believe that either Amanda could eventually find a submission, which I really don't think is going to happen, or Gomez goes out there and knocks her out clean, which I think is absolutely on the table here. If you have access to one of those bookies that give you props, you can get plus 245 on Gomez by KO here. And I do think that there's a large chance that she's able to keep this fight standing and get that uh, get those big strikes off. So give me... Um, Give me Gomez here. I completely understand why she's chalk, but I like. Um, I do like Gomez to win this fight, and she'll likely get a contract to the UFC as well. Problem kid saying I like Gomez a lot. She's legit. I like it. Sae saying Jesus plus one eighty is my only play today. Looking forward to your analysis on that. We should get to that one very shortly. D Brown saying, up all what kind of cannabis Canada what kind. Kind of buzz. conduct buzz. I like it. Is she has hitting that problem? Kids saying Gomez has better jujitsu and I don't rate Amanda wrestling high at all. Gomez has huge power and skill advantage on the feet too. Bingo. <laughs> Zach wants to say what's going on. I do have some opinions for you on these fights, my dude. For sure. As I'm talking about the fights, please do let me know what they are and I'd be happy to address them. And again, please do. Um, please do. Talk or drop comments in the chat in regards to the fight that I'm speaking about, and I happily talk about it. I do see my guys, JD, here saying, is Jerry's flowers in this chat, too? I think he has a good shot. He looked great during the weigh-ins slash face-offs. MMA Fight Club in the chat. Appreciate you stopping by, my friend, saying, Amanda's last four opponents are 0-11 combined. Hard to know what she is really capable of. There you go. Joshua Freck saying, lock for the night. You'd like over two and a half, 12 and a half minutes? I don't. I actually like the under here. Big Steve in the chat. Appreciate you stopping by. And shout out to Big Steve as well for bringing my attention to the cameron Salmon fights that were actually available on fa- uh, Facebook uh, through the EFC channel. I was able to add that to the tape end next today, though. Uh, Joshua Frick saying, or 56 strikes for Denise. I don't know if she'll even need 56 strikes. I think she'll be able to knock this chick out even before that. I believe you're trying to get my prize picks tips on this. <laughs> I'd go with the under 12 and a half. Uh, MMA Fight Club saying the win, the Gomez win over Dudieva had a lot of extenuating circumstances. Lake Hall for Gomez along with Tough Wake She might look better. Dudieva was not far removed from having a child. There you go. I love the insight that my guy, MMA Fight Club, is able to present. Problem Kid saying JD, he's on topology discuss and discussion. He's arguing with people. That's hilarious. All right. So pick is Gomez. Gomez by KO. The bet that I'm going to be going with is under two and a half on the uh on that fight. All right. Let's move on to the next one. Here we're going to be talking about Josh Wang Kim going up against Cameron Simon. In terms of odds, we got minus 230 on Wang Kim and plus 195 on Cameron. Now I don't really understand why the line is this wide, right? Josh Kim looks good. You know taekwondo background always throwing flashy kicks he has like a super kick that he always throws that he's managed to land a couple times on a couple people uh you know slick submission transitions uh he changed them together pretty well but i still have some question marks about the kid right like facing legit adversity his last win comes against a guy that's 9 and 15 his only loss on his professional record and I'll give him the benefit of the doubt of the, on this fight is was via illegal elbows he just kept elbowing the back of the head of this guy and he ended up you know losing that fight the jose hernandez fight right hernandez looking to get that fight to the ground over and over again but he couldn't do much while well on top because josh was very offensive off of his back you know disrupting his balance making it very difficult for jose to land much from on top so I like his work off of his back because it seems like a lot of people are looking to take him there. That's where you'll likely have a lot of success against Josh Wang, as that's where Cameron will likely be looking to take this fight, especially considering the the, the height or at least the reach disadvantage he's going to be at in this fight. Um, Again, Josh Wang has a ton of experience. We're talking about a guy who has six professional MMA fights, but as well as 16 amateur, or sorry, yeah, amateur uh mma fights you know on the amateur scene he went 15 and 1 with his only loss coming to jesse Strader, which in my eyes is a bit of a red flag right jesse Strader, in my opinion not much of a of a solid fighter a lot of jesse's uh wins especially in his pro career have come via finish so the fact that he was actually able to win a decision here against josh Wayne kim uh leaves a lot to be you know desired um, I wish there was tape on that. If anybody does have tape on that, please do send me that link. Cause I would love to see how we actually ended up losing that fight. Um, but that's, that's a bit of a red fight for me. Other than that, you know, looks very good, you know, able to outstrike opponents, uh, you know, do very solid work with his jujitsu. Um, I like what I see from the kid, but I like just as much what I see from Cameron Simon as well, who's a 21 year old kid. Uh, You know, he's actually going to be turning 22 in December, but undefeated amateur and pro record. But you got to question the level of competition that he's been going up against. That's where maybe this wide line comes from, right? We're talking about a guy who won the EFC title by beating a guy that was eight and seven. He did have to go all five rounds to do it. And uh, Menonen, let me try to pronounce this guy's name. Manenghela. Manenghela, uh had some wrestling success of his own there, but we did see some tra- um, scrambles and reversals from Simon so that he was able to end up on top and obviously end up winning that fight via decision over the full 25 minutes of that fight. This is the fight that I'm most excited about, right? Both guys are solid prospects. I think both guys will eventually make it to the UFC, um, but I'm I'm intrigued by the Simon kid, man. I think he has a little bit more tricks up his sleeve than what you should be getting from Joshua and Kim, especially as a minus 230 favorite. Like, I don't get why Josh is such a big favorite in the spot. Maybe because of the experience, maybe because of the level of competition difference that he's been going up against compared to what Cameron has. But like, Cameron shows solid striking of his own. You know, he's going to be at a disadvantage for sure, but like he stays active with his kicks from the outside, really batters the lead leg of his opponents. Um, he's fast, he's quick, he's explosive, he can close the distance very well. Um, he has big power in his hands, he has some solid ground uh, work as well. He can get his opponents to the ground and do some solid work there, just as I expect he's going to be looking to do here against Josh. Cameron training out of South Africa, mainly, you know, one of the big training partners that he has is Drake is Duplessis. So you know, Duplassus is doing big things in the UFC, but a lot of people have some question marks about him still considering how much his win condition usually depends on him getting the finish, you know, outside of the Brad Debarra's fight, which is the first ever time he won by decision. But more often than not, he goes out there and just finishes his opponent's. Cameron you know in terms of his professional career has gone to a decision in his last fight uh but does like getting finishes himself is able to hurt guys to the body get him to the ground use his ground and pound or look for rear naked chokes but I think he's very live in this spot uh you know when the again I'll always reiterate this whenever I break down contender series fights or at least start researching on them I don't look at the odds I don't look at the records I don't look at anything I just go to the tape index and I click on each fight. Like I watch every single fight of every single fighter from bottom to top from most, from uh, you know, the oldest to the most recent and I'll see their progression. I'll see how they develop from a fight to fight basis. And I, you know, from fight one, Cameron looked like a very solid prospect. So, I'll t- I'm going to be taking a dog shot here on camera. I took a one-unit shot at plus 200 because, I one, I think the line is a little bit wide, and, two, I think that Simon will be able to surprise a couple guys here. right? Hopefully, he's able to land some takedowns. Uh, at range, he'll probably get picked apart, but I don't think it's going to be as bad as most people think it's going to be, especially a, what a min- minus 220 or 230 uh, indicates of how wide this fight is actually going to be. So I'm going to lean Cameron. I like this kid. think he has some uh, upside and a plus 200. I think he might end up looking like a steal here. Joshua Frick saying I was interested in your prospects. Keep hitting me with them and I'll tell you what I think. Problem Kids saying Darius Flowers has been arguing with people all week on their anyone who picked Gogoladze. He was cussing them out. I think it's hilarious. That's funny. It's funny when fighters get involved in discussion boards and stuff. Like, I'll always remember the time that Sasha Palatnikov came back to my video and ragged on me for picking Lois Kosi over him. And then the guy never picked up another one in the UFC. I don't think he's ever picked up a win since that fight. <laughs> uh Hilarious. Zach Johnson saying it flip-flopped and should be a pick 'em. Give me the dog, Zach Johnson saying about Simon. Yeah, from what I heard, or let me just confirm this. Simon, yeah, Simon opened up. As a minus three hundred dog on bat Online, and then immediate money coming in on Josh Wang pushing Cameron Simon up to even plus two forty. I wish I got in on tape on this earlier because that plus two forty unit would have been even nicer. But plus two hundred, still a very nice spot. Yeah, this is this is. I can't convince myself to bet a favorite of this nature against a kid that I believe has as much potential as Cameron Simon does. Problem kid saying I think Simon is just a little too under-seasoned right now. He'll get there one day, just not now. We'll see. This is a good matchup for him to for us to really see whether he has it or not. Zach Johnson is saying, I think this makes the best fight on the card. I think I believe I, I absolutely agree. This is the fight that I'm easily looking forward to most on the card. Zach Johnson saying Zach sorry, Cameron has power. I like it. Thunder is a play to look at. I don't mind the under. Both guys have finishing capabilities. I think I'm going to lean with uh, Simon by decision though, cuz I do think that like he'll likely look to get this to the ground and and pummel Josh from on top, but I think Josh's, you know, offensive nature on off of his back will likely keep him in this fight, which is why I'll probably see this go in the full 15, but if this takes place on the feet and Cameron can continue to land on him, he's absolutely live to knock him out. Problem kids saying Wayne Kim has higher level training. South Africa is still pretty far behind a lot of countries in that regard. I wouldn't fully say that. Like, there are countries much further behind than South Africa, right? And EFC has been around for a while now. Like, these guys have been putting on shows for years and years. And they have a solid MMA crowd down there. Um, Simon looks like the truth, man. He really does. MMA Fight Club saying Simon has deceptive power. He looks like a skinny kid, but he brings the fight to his opponent. Kim is a rightful favorite, but the dog is alive and well in this spot. I absolutely agree. Zach Johnson saying agreed. Lock can pass that take up. I agree. Joshua saying Wang forty eight strikes or ten over under. Uh, oh man, that's a tough one. I'm gonna say Wang under forty eight strikes. Jacksonville's always saying my favorite dog on this card is Aguilar. I got him yesterday at plus 195. We will be talking about that fight very shortly. Uh Big Bird saying to be fair, Flowers said I did a good breakdown, maybe because I picked him. Did he? Really? Robert Chella in the chat. Appreciate you stopping by. Why does the UFC give Anhe Lusum right to cases of charge matchups, but feed spoon fed Nigerians, Gaino and Jusman on the way to the title? Hey, I didn't, he didn't get fed anything. Usman got what he deserved in terms of getting that title shot when he got it. But we're talking about contender series here, Robert. Come on. If you want to bring these types of questions, bring them to the MMA Lock Talk 4 p.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern, Monday through Thursday. But we are talking contender series tonight, my friend. All right. So, official pick is going to be Cameron Simon. I'm going to say he wins by decision, but I'm taking a shot on his money line at plus 100. All right, let's move on to the next fight here. We're going to be talking about Edison Fajera going up against Jesus Santos Aguilar. In terms of odds, we got minus 180 on Fajera and plus 155 on the Aguilar side. This is the toughest one for me to pick. You know, close fight. I don't agree that the odds should be so wide, and that's why I think that we're starting to see this line start to close now. Fajera opened up on DraftKings at minus 240, now down to minus 180, and that just goes to show how live Jesus uh, is in the, in this fight. You know, Jesus, 7-1 and one record, 26-year-old kid. One thing that I noticed with this game is that he likes to go for takedowns. You know, he is a takedown-centric guy. Uh, a familiar face for anybody that ran the tape on this kid was Edgar Chayrez. Edgar Chayra is obviously the kid that gave Clayton Carpenter all that he could handle a couple of weeks ago on the contender series. Um, and Chayra was a pretty big underdog in that fight. Anytime that fe- that fight was on the feet, Chayra was handling uh, Carpenter just as he was handling Jesus Santos uh, Aguilar. You know, Aguilar has some decent hands, some decent power of his own right. But, you know, he definitely seems a lot more comfortable when he's able to get fights to the ground. His patent choke seems to be that guillotine choke now, especially with three of his wins coming via guillotine choke. But he seems to possess a lot of power similar to those team alpha mode guys when he's able to get these guys to the mat. I like what I see at Igler, right? The kids, the kids good, you know, could be a solid addition to this uh this flyweight division, but Fajera throws with absolute heat and he's gonna be hard to uh take to the ground over and over again. You know, I do think if Fajera is going to be able to keep this fight standing, I think he'll be able to piece up Aguilar on the feet. And I think it, he's live to get a knockout in this spot. The f- I, I would lean the under here, which is minus 130, minus 125 for the fight doesn't go to the decision. But like I could see a realm where Aguilar is able to slow down this fight enough that he's having success from on top by grinding Fajera out but from what I've seen, I don't mind what Ferreira brings to the table uh, in terms of his aggressiveness with his striking. I do think he can land big shots, and I think he can finally find that chin of Jesus and put him down here, maybe make it look similar to the Adger's high-rise fight where you know Aguilar was very much struggling in the striking realm in that fight. I would... Probably rate Edgar as a slightly better striker than Fajera, but I like the aggressiveness that we see from Fajera, which is why I kind of lean him here to land those big shots against Aguilar and eventually find that knockout blow. If you guys remember Fajera was actually on the contender series last year and he did come out on the winning end against Q Lun Q. Um, I know that I'm absolutely butchering that guy's name right now, so I apologize, but Dana was like Glad you come in as a minus 700 favorite here, yet you had such a disappointing fight and such a close fight. We're going to pass on you, but we'll give you another shot on the next edition of the contender series. And that's exactly what he's getting here. He better produce a big knockout victory. Otherwise, I don't think we're going to see him get signed to the UFC again. But given that 10 of his 11 victories have come via knockout, I think that this might be another shot spot where he's able to lay, Latin his big power and get his opponents out of there. So I'm leaning Fajera ever so slightly, but uh, I agree that the odds are wide, but I think they're starting to correct themselves now. I just don't see Aguilar being too comfortable on the feet, and I think he eventually gets charged here by Fajera in the striking Fajera by Nakio plus 155, if anybody's wondering what that is. All right. Um... Let's see. Big Bird saying, Fajera is a good sprawl. That's all I need to spe- see. That might be all we need to see as well. Zach Johnson is saying, only difficult for me because Fajera looked pretty bad on the scale. He did, but he did end up making the weight the second time. I still lean Fajera, though. No bet, though. Frick's saying, 10 minute over under Fajera. Significant strikes, 46 strikes. I'd say under on the 10 minutes. <clears throat> big bird saying julio arce looked terrible on the skills and had his best performance that angle is over exaggerated yes i'm glad that we're starting to see that week after week now <clears throat> Zach johnson saying like more from Ferreira but he gets hurt a lot is aguilar going to be the guy to expose it problem kids saying Ferreira also has beat someone on here already a dude he beat his UFC bound, so that win in retrospect is really good. Aguilar hasn't beaten anyone yet. He has not. It's Aguilar actually that got the win over Edgar Chirez. Oh, sorry. Who's the guy that he beat that's on his way to the UFC? I might be missing that. But either way, I do like hit as well. Big Bird. Saying Aguilar is not the guy to expose that questionable chin. Fahera is big as hell too. That is correct. Rick the ruler in the chat. Appreciate you stopping by. Zach Johnson saying Ferreira looked awfully skinny, off full though, sickly. I don't know. I think he'll be all right. The guy probably always has a tough weight cut, right? Five foot six, seventy inch reach for a flyweight. The guy's thick. MMA Fight Club saying Zach Johnson is super thin looking like Jesus Christ on the cross looking Jesus. (laughs) I'm going to go. Yeah, Uh, I see my guy problem kid here bringing up the so did Brian Battle and look what happened. Bad weight cuts causing shit performance are an anomaly. The only thing I will say is as to why we can't really lean on that fight for much data in regards to how a weight cut will make a fighter compete is that fight only lasted like a minute, Right. Like, I would have liked to see how Brian Battle looks going deeper into that fight, and I got it. Brian Battle was my lock of the night play, so I was happy to cash him in less than a minute in that fight, but we can't really take too much data from that fight considering it didn't go that long. Usually when guys have bad weight cuts and people want to point to that to be like, hey, he's going to have a bad performance, it's because, you know, fights get dragged out, fights go deeper, and that's where we see these cardio issues start to... uh, you know, or are these lingering weight-cutting issues possibly affect a fighter inside the cage? Problem, kid saying, if I had to be Quinlu Q, who's actually UFC-bound. Is he UFC-bound? Am I? The kid's 16 and 8, 25 years old. Oh, true, he actually won on the uh, road to UFC. Yeah, you're right. That's still a tournament, so he has another fight coming up there. Good catch there. I totally forgot about the road to UFC. Uh, Big Bird saying Brian Battle the Goat on God. Queen City represent. I kind of hope he don't take that Gary fight. I hope he does. (laughs) I hope he does. All right. Fajera the pick. Fajera by KO. But I'm going to be staying off that fight. Next up, we got the co-main event of the night. We got Georgian Amiron Gogoladze going up against Darius Flowers. Minus 280 now on Gogoladze. Plus 235 the return. On Darius Flowers. Now, surprisingly, uh, Gogoladze opened up around minus 365. Money coming in on Darius Flora, Flowers as the week has gone on. And I wasn't really understanding why the UFC decided to, or at least the matchmakers, decided to give Darius Flowers a shot, right? He's 11-5-1, not the most thrilling record. He's on a three-fight winning streak. But all the guys that he has fought and lost to you know, are guys that are Better prospects than him, right? Maybe that's what it is. He's also lost to UFC veteran Bobby Volker where he got knocked out in that fight. Uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu background. You see him really going for takedowns to try to control guys on the mat and and grind them out or look for submissions. Um, his hands are coming together. Big power in his hands. Uh, the guy's a scrapper. Guy's hard to put away. You know, um, I don't mind what we see from him. I think the kid, uh, you know, he—I don't want to say he has potential. I think he might have capped off already, but for him to have success, you know, he's going to need to get takedowns here. He could use his big power to potentially cash Amiron on the feet, but I—I uh, I think his bigger path to victory here would be able to get this to the ground and implement his jujitsu. However, Amiron might be the better wrestler here. And that's where the problem might lie for Darius Flowers, because I think Amiran could get on top of him. I think Amiron could fuck him up on top or even fuck him up on the feet. You know, I I do like Gogoladze here, but I just think the line is a little bit wide and I'm glad that the line is sort of correcting itself. But I still do think that Gogoladze should be closer to like minus 200 in the spot rather than minus 265 or minus 300. The spot that I did like is the fight doesn't go to decision, which is obviously fucking minus 350 now. So if you have access to one of those books that allows you to parlay props, you know, I would rather take that fight doesn't go to decision rather than the chalk on Gogoladze. Flowers is live. Flowers is absolutely live in this spot to, to, to pull off an upset of some sort, especially considering how fired up he looked and not to mention how good he looked on the scales, right? If you guys look deep into Darius Flowers' record, the last time he actually fought at 170 pounds was, I believe, 2018. Let me just pull it up here. Yeah. 2018 against Josh Weston. He did win that fight by corner stoppage a minute and a half into that fight, although his opponent that night was a six and five guy who now sits at nine and 13. And that guy actually lost last month to uh, Mike England on FAC possibly a jobber spot for him but his next fight was against Bobby Volker which was supposed to take place at 170 pounds he weighed in at 175 missed weight so they made it a catch weight same with his next one which was his next LFA fight going up against Jonathan Thompson wins that fight with knees from the clinch in less than a minute but he missed weight by two and a half pounds almost and then since then, he's been fighting at 185 pounds. You can see it in his fights. The guy just looks sloppy in his fights in terms of his physique. Um, not really looking like he's really putting the time in the gym. Uh, but the guy looked like it this uh, this morning when he stepped on the scales. So he's really taking this seriously. He could absolutely spring the upside in the spot. I don't want to be tied to the uh the chalk on the gogoladze side here. I would rather take fight does go to decision, but I'm gonna take Gogoladze. I do think he ends up with either a, a TKO or a club in some situation, but I do think he wins this fight. Bigger, stronger, uh better wrestler in my opinion. Jiu Jitsu again is, is kind of a toss-up, but I think Gogoladze will do enough to be able to you know fuck him up on the feet or even get this fight to the ground and, and smash him on the ground as well. But Darius Flowers is live. I'm not willing to pull the trigger on him, as I think Gokuladze is just that much better than him. Fight doesn't go to the decision as a play, though. All right, let's see here. Jacksonville is saying, one of the best look-alike comments that we got last Saturday is that Woodson looks like Tayshon Prince. Shout out to Tayshawn Prince during that uh, golden era of the Detroit Pistons. I'll always remember that team Chauncey Billups, Tayshawn Prince, Rasheed Wallace, Ben Wallace, Rip Hamilton. I'm trying to remember who they had coming off the bench there, but that was pretty much the starting five. Tristan Charles in the chat. <clears throat> Joshua Frick saying, Armin over-under 31 significant strikes or under five minutes. I think we see this one actually go over five minutes. I do think we see it creep into the second round, but I still don't think that this fight will go the distance. <clears throat> Zach Johnson saying, Flowers Flowers gets dusted, boy. Wow, big, big words there. Bananas and grapes saying, Google Ads is okay, but not minus 300. I agree. Problem kids saying, this is a violent spot right there with you as well. Zach Johnson saying, I can't bet him at minus 300. I agree. Gunnar MV saying, Flower, as far as career middleweight and welterweight. Again, the, the last four years has been at middleweight. Now finally going back to down to 170. The guy looks in phenomenal shape. Rick the ruler saying, thoughts on the Josh Wayne-Kim matchup and the Dean white Contender Series matchup? Uh, just rewind like 10, 15 minutes. <laughs> I, I've already covered it on this podcast. Zach Johnson saying this is an under here and Flowers been submitted four times. I like it. Problem Kid saying Rick, he did that on the second fight, bro. There you go. Thank you. Thank you, Problem Kid, for letting him know. Problem Kid saying scroll back just so you can catch a break around. Thank you. Banana saying Flowers saying in interviews, he doesn't care if it goes 15 minutes. I don't think it will. Flowers is weird, dude. His career arc has been a weird one. It definitely has. Where do they both train? Well, I'm pretty certain uh Gogoladze still trains out of Georgia. Let me just confirm that. Yeah, pretty much pretty much been a Georgia guy the entire way. Uh, Flowers, I believe he's out of the same gym. I want to say as uh ah, uh, I can't recall. I remember seeing somebody in his corner that was very recognizable. It's a, it's a gym out of, uh, out of California, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, sorry. He trains in Chicago. I'm, I'm completely thinking about somebody else. My apologies. Yeah. He's he's training out of, uh, he's training out of Chicago, but no real big gyms for either one of these guys. Gunner is saying this feels like such a MMA trap line because he's Georgian. I, I think that this is one of those Georgians that's worth it at this spot. But again, I wouldn't. I wouldn't bank on anybody going out there and parlaying Gogoladze in this spot. Should win. Maybe Gogoladze inside the distance would be a better bet. That currently sits at uh, that's minus one sixty five. Better than the minus three hundred or minus two fifty. Uh, Zach Johnson saying, I like fight doesn't go to decision. I like that too. Gunner saying, Amiran won't have his main coaches in his corner. Not sure if it's visa issues or what. Possibly Georgians or <clears throat> possibly Georgians, possibly visa issues. Because I just read this comment from Bananas and Grape saying, All these Georgians can grapple. Yes, sir. Problem kids saying, Yeah, if you got a Z in their last name, I usually don't bet against them. <laughs> Gunner saying, Flowers gives me Gabe Green vibes. He gives me like super poor man version of Curtis. Chris Curtis, in terms of like just being a random regional guy who's getting a shot at the biggest show right now. Josh Benedict, saying Isaiah Thomas, jo- uh, Joe Dumars, Mark Aguirre, Dennis Rodman, Bill Laimbeer. Maybe that's the golden age of the of the Pistons. I apologize, and sorry for not getting that spammer sooner. I apologize, folks. But I was great That first loss on Google Elijah record is really sketchy. Um, I'm trying to recall if I've seen it. Oh, the uh, Actilic Zuma fight. Yeah, he did get controlled in that fight. He got grounded and controlled pretty quite a lot in that fight. And that guy's fourteen and eight. He's still young in that in his career, so I'll, I'll cut him some slack. Right, he was that was five years ago. All right. Joshua Frank saying, How am I going to find the, the girl for me now, Locke? <laughs> you can't. You're not going to. Problem Kid saying, If he's out of Georgia, yeah, his wrestling will probably be on point. Seeing that region, pump so savage wrestlers and meat strikers. All right. Beach TV in the chat. Appreciate you stopping by, my friend. Sai. Li Ladar saying, yo, bro, any damn sure picks? Uh, no damn sure picks. Just good underdogs on this card, in my opinion. But I'll give you guys a degenerate hockey parlay later if anybody wants to hammer something. But again, don't don't go. Take small shots on the underdogs here. That'll let you guys know for So I'm going uh, Gogoladze. Gogoladze inside the distance. Fight doesn't go to decision would be the parlay piece though. All right, main event time we're going to be talking about Eduardo Neves going up against Michael Parkin minus 215 on Neves plus 185 on Parkin very weird to me that uh Neves was such a big favorite in this spot right this fight he actually opened up as a minus 150 favorite got bet all the way down to the minus 285 range and now money coming back in on the Parkin side to start to level this thing out but it's hilarious because when i was reading or sorry when i was writing up my uh Patreon article for this for this card. I didn't look at the 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 odds until I halfway done my breakdown of this and I just kept saying that you know this fight should be a pickem. Like these guys are both sloppy-ish heavyweights with big punching power and either guy can land and either guy can knock each other out. And I thought that the the price would be closer to a pickem. So when I saw parking as a big underdog I'm like that's an auto bet. You know what I mean this this guy you know, he seems to be the crisper striker. He seems to be a little bit more athletic. He seems to have a little bit more in the tank than Nevis, who seems to fall apart, you know, the deeper fight goes. But luckily for him, like the, the guys that he's fighting, he's able to he's able just just to out gut them or outgrit them, right? His first win, Doctor Stoppage, round three via cut. He was able to just go ape shit on this guy and 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 finish him. But like even he was struggling in that fight. The Joao Victor dos Santos fight, same thing there. And then in his last three fights, he's been able to put out his opponents within a minute. So, like maybe people are getting too high up on that, especially considering his last two fights have been for LFA. Maybe it's because he's been on a bigger stage and people have seen him compared to Michael Parkin, who's been fighting on a you know lower stage over there in UK, fighting for a Rise and Conquer company, which I've never heard about before this. Again. Level of competition is super sketchy, too, so I can understand that as to why people are leaning on the Neves side. But when it comes down to it, you know, Neves is a little bit wild, a little bit too sloppy and reckless with the striking. Parkin could be able to catch him with the, the shots down the middle and just being the slightly more, you know, athletic guy in this spot. I wouldn't be surprised if Parkin looks to take this fight to the ground and try to, you know, ground and pound him on the mat. Uh, Nevis, not entirely sure the gym that he trains out of, at least in terms of the legitimacy of it with Parkin. You know, he does train out of this TFT gym out there in England, but you do see times that he's been spending with uh, Tom Aspinall throughout his career. So again, some decent work in with a guy that seems to be a proven heavyweight at this point. I like Parkin. I took the underdog, shot him. Uh, on him plus 215 one unit at plus 215 another spot where i would you know if anybody's banking on a a bet for this it would probably be either the under one and a half at minus 265 as a parlay piece or the fight doesn't go to decision at minus 500 but i lean Parkin here this fight should be a pickup is a sloppy heavyweight fight both guys five and oh why is one guy way bigger of a favorite than the other does it make sense to me not to mention let's add in the fact that parkin has eight amateur MMA fights as well. So more, you know, more MMA experience technically for the parking side. Maybe not against the stiffest of competition, but at least he's in there getting the work done. Give me parking. All right, let's see what the chat is saying here and then we'll wrap this up. The salmon saying go-go should piece him up from distance. That's possible, Two Under four minutes or 26 significant strikes. I'd say probably under four minutes. This might be done quickly. Problem Kid saying Nevis boxing was really is a solid. His one-two is clean. I've seen some clean one-twos from my guy parking as well. Zach Johnson saying parking strength. The schedule is so bad, though. See, that's, that's the tough part about, like, really gauging these uh, contender series guys because we can say the same thing about Cameron Simon as well, right? We don't really get to know what these guys can do against legitimate competition until they get to the contender series. And even uh, on the contender series, they might get some toss ups or, or some layups in terms of matchups. So I like uh, Aline Parking at these odds. If there's a pick, I would just take violence. <laughs> Jackson Fazo saying, if you like Nevis, just take him by KO. That's his path to win. Bingo. Why pay minus 215, minus 220 when you can get minus 140 on his literal path to victory? Probably his only path to victory. Problem kids saying Nevis has beat some good guys. Has he, though? Has he? Like, I get it. Strength schedule is better. Andre Viera, he knocks him out in one minute. But Andre Viera, is 6-1 guy who, okay, he's had some decent competition. He's gone up against 0-2, 7-3. Who's the other guy that he beat? Eduardo Silva. Eduardo Silva is now 1-1, one one, hasn't fought since that fight. Marcelo Gomez, 2-0 going into that fight, now 4-2. It's, hard, it's tough to gauge the level of competition these guys are truly going up against. We'll see this weekend, though. Zach Johnson saying, Parker, last three points all have losing records. Under 1.5 is a good play. I like that. Uh, again, anybody he's been put up against, he's beaten. Or gone to a draw within the, in that amateur fight but that amateur fight if you guys want to see a fucking slugfest watch that amateur fight of michael parkin against uh christoph Wisniewski. you know i don't even think they scored that fight they just saw how back and forth it was and how wild it was and they're just like you know what fuck it this fight's a draw and now this was newski guys two and oh as a pro Big Bird saying Parkin seems very confident on the ground, seems to have understanding of what he's doing. I like that as well. I do agree. Uh, Big Bird saying just go to the single leg early and often. It might be hard for him to get it early, but if he's able to mix in his striking well here, he should be able to get this fight to the ground. Sat Johnson saying Nevis has some real power. I think Parkin has some solid power too uh fight club saying parking loves to wrestle he may only need one takedown to find a win Parkin is the bigger guy with the natural heavyweight frame gonna be a nightmare for Neves if he gets on top of him i could see that as well zach johnson saying i see the KO early big bird saying michael parkin walks so tom aspinall could run there you go david nettles in the chat when is the favorites odds too high to place in a parlay um let's see like everybody finds it different. Like it really depends on how you cap the fight, the percentages that you ha- hand out. Like you can find value in a minus 750, right? Personally, I'd like to stay away, away from anything worse than minus 500, minus 600. It's subjective every single matchup, though. Um. <laughs> Bananas and Grape saying there's always that one underdog or two. I think there's a couple that will come through here. Problem Kids said, yeah, I'm playing the under. I'll agree with that. Big Bird saying Parking, KO plus 400. Jay Collier style, ground about Let's go. Let's go. All right, so somebody wants a uh, degenerate parlay. I'd go Gomez, money Moneyline, um, Gogoladze, Fight doesn't go to decision, and Nevis Parking under one and a half. If you were to play those on bet online right now, and best fight odds are is actually completely up to date with those, you would be getting plus 150 on that parlay. Once again, uh Neves Parkin under one and a half, Gogoladze Flowers fight doesn't go to decision and Denise Gomez money line. But my only official picks. Sorry, not only, since I have three bets. I have three official bets on this, and I'm trying to take advantage of underdog prices that I don't agree with. Um, Michael Parkin, one unit at plus 215. Cameron Simon, one unit at plus 200. And then the Denise Gomez and high-end Amanda fight under two and a half, 1.2 units on the under two and a half at minus 120. There we go. Problem Kids saying Parkin is with the fish tank team in london that sounds really familiar i don't know much of those guys i know that uh aspinall with team Kaibon, but it seems like these guys cross train quite a lot Sach johnson saying i think last week it was all faves on contenders i believe all the faves did win Zoe is saying i agree it is a it is subjective pedro ended up looking better than minus 750 exactly Big Bird saying, better line, don't let your parlay fight, doesn't go to decision. Well, ain't that some shit? I really want to know that because I don't use them that often. Joshua Frick saying, are we allowed to put picks in for the lock line Contest today or do we have to wait until Sunday? No, you can start putting them in as soon as the previous event finishes. So ever since 278 finished, you are allowed to put in picks for UFC Paris. All right. Can't believe that we're approaching an hour here on a five-fight breakdown, but uh I felt like I really wanted to get into these fights for you guys considering how much time to actually, uh, that I took to, to research these fights. MMA Fight Club saying, almost have the same parlay. I have the last two fights not going the distance and Gomez on the money line. I feel much better about my bet now. Thanks. Good luck, my friend. David Nero saying, do you take what gym a fighter trains training out of into account when handicapping a fight? Uh, to a certain extent. You know, that's not my make or break, but like it, it can give you some confidence, or it can sway you away from a side as well. But I wouldn't let it be the be all end all. The be all end all is what you see from these guys inside the cage. That's where you should be getting the majority of your data from. Big Bird saying, "Can we get an amen to Luis Aldana for fighting like a dumbass for and saving the parlays?" There you go. Joshua Frick, no worries. Bananas and grapes, good night to you as well. Last question I'll answer here. Usman Anjum saying, have you ever had trouble with money out of a sports book? In the early days, yes. Not so much in the last two or three years. Especially with the legalization of gambling, you know, blowing up all over the world. I think it's going to become easier and easier to do so. All right. Once again, I'll just give you guys a quick rundown of my uh, picks or at least predictions for this. Starting with the first fight, I'm going to go Denise Gomez by KO. Cameron Simon, Cameron Simon by decision. Uh, Arison Fajera by KO. Amiron Gogoladze by KO or sub, maybe inside the distance. Uh, and then I'm going to go Michael Parkin by KO, Grand pound. Bets are Denise Gomez and a high-end Amanda under two and a half. Um, Cameron Simon one unit at plus two hundred. Michael Parkin one unit at plus two, two fifteen. All right. Love you guys. Appreciate you guys. There's the late night edition of the contender series breakdown. The only other content that I have coming out this week is the MMA lock talk 4 p.m. to 5 p.m. Monday through Thursday. Uh, Wednesday, I'll be doing the Deadlock podcast with Clint, 7.30 p.m. Eastern on that channel. So make sure you guys tune in for that as well, especially considering there's no real other MMA to ingest for this weekend other than the contender series later tonight. I'll be starting up on UFC Paris as well tomorrow. So if you're on the Patreon, be on the lookout for the best bets and props articles starting to drop tomorrow and uh, doing some more updates for the tape index so that we can get even further ahead of the schedule and you guys can start taping on other stuff as well. All right, love you guys. Appreciate you guys. Hit that like and subscribe on the way out. Hit up the Patreon if you guys want to show your boy a little bit more support, five bucks a month. Link is in the description below. Otherwise, the super chats, the thank you donations after the podcast drops as well, is super appreciated. But bare minimum, bare minimum, minimum, I ask, hit that like and subscribe below if you haven't already. All right, love you guys. Good night and good luck on your bets tomorrow. Peace out.